0: came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Christ the resurrection from the dead. In verse 3, Acts chapter 4, verse 3. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide, howbeit many of them which heard the word believed. And the number of the men was about 5,000. In verse 5, And it came to pass on the morrow that the rulers and the elders and scribes, and Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, the, the, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. Verse 7, And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and the elders of Israel, If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you, to you all, and to all the people of Israel, and by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him, that this man sent here before you whole? This is the stone which is set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. In verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Amen? In verse 13 it says this. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus and verse 14 and beholding the man which was healed standing with them they could not say uh, they could say nothing against it and today the continuation of our study last week we talked about the introduction of uh, to passionate Christianity. We we talked about how God's desire and God's plan for all Christians is to be passionate. Last week we ta- we talked and we discussed how Jesus exemplified zeal. Last week we dis- we discussed how zeal was a hallmark of the early church. And so as we were introduced last week in regards to passionate Christianity, today and, and tonight I'd like us to learn a little bit in regards to the Evidences, the evidence of a passionate Christian. The evidence of a passionate Christian. And so let's pray, ask God to bless this time. Father, again, uh, we thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. And I thank you, Father, that you place these beautiful stories here. Not just as quotes or, or great stories, but, Father, things that we can apply in our life. And so again, I ask, Father, that you help me to preach what you desire me to. And you help me, Father God, to convey your truth today. I thank you again for your word of God. Bless us, bless those that are still on their way, and bless those that are here but are a little bit tired. I ask that you give them added strength so that they can heed to the scriptures and that we all can apply it in our life this week. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, church, there's a, there's a, there's a truth being known that that it says, a lot of people say, you can't judge a book by its cover. But the truth is, a lot of people do. Whether you like it or not, people are watching and observing you, and the evidences of your life dictate how they perceive you, yes? And so when they observe you, and and recently in in, in our neighborhood over there, at Ropes Crossing, we find that there's this, there's these hoons, and they're not using cars now. They're using these, um, these, like, these 250cc motorbikes. And you can hear them at 11.30 at night just ripping up and down the street. And it's not in the front of our street, praise the Lord, but it's in another street. And you can hear it go past at 11.30, 11.45, and even sometimes later than that. And you sort of think to yourself, well, why would someone do that? Why would someone even consider riding a bike and riding it crazy at night? You know, some people do things because they want other people to notice. Other people do things because they want exhilaration for themselves. And whoever, whether it's the police, or whether it's the people at the actual neighborhood trying to stop them, and there, there, there have been videos where They're actually trying to stop this guy from ripping it up and down the street. And he doesn't care. The thought is this, is that his actions really causes him to be perceived a certain way. And here we have the actions of Peter. In the front of the counselors of the the Sanhedrin, the, the people that ruled the city. And now he speaks up boldly with zeal and passion. Against what they did to Jesus Christ, and the name that he preaches about, he did not shy away from it. And last week we talked about it: how the early church was really a whole. It was a hallmark for them that had zeal and they had um, passion about what they were doing. And knowing again, last last week we discussed how when he spoke to these people, these men could kill his family, could take him out of the the city, and stone him to death. Not just him, but the persons that he was with. Not just them, but the family that he was associated with. Why? Because they, in, in Jewish custom, that was blasphemous to what they've been taught and what they've been learning their whole life and from generations on. The evidences of passionate Christianity First point is simply this. A passionate Christian is courageous and confident in face of opposition. A passionate Christian is courageous and confident in the face of opposition. Acts chapter 4 verse 8 shows this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Peter had a decision to make. And his decision was to stand up for Christ. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7. It says this. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And verse 8 shows us some persecutions, but then we see our dependence. It says here, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. In verse 10, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. You see, here, again, a, a Christian that is, that is courageous and, and zealous for the Lord doesn't care about what, what, what things might happen. What will they think of me? If I stand up for God here, and, and, and if I say anything about that particular subject in, a, in my workplace, and you know they might think of me differently. And truth be told, they will. Christian, you have to understand, is the, the things that are taught in Scripture oftentimes go contrary to, to what the world is teaching our children, to, the, to what the world is portraying to you through your movies and through your music and through everything that you're, you're being bombarded with, oftentimes it's going contrary to the Word of God. And so as you stand there as a bulwark against the flow of what culture is teaching you, you either fight or you take flight. It's either you stand up for what you believe in or you say, no, I'm going to be passive and let it pass. And we make this decision every single day. I'll tell you how. Every single time we meet a person, we have an opportunity to share the gospel. Every time. You say, but that's not not agreeable in my workplace. It's true. Maybe it's not. You know, I, I often thought, you know, at the schools, and as, as we're on break at the moment, we go to schools and we, we teach about Jesus Christ and we share the gospel. I often thought that, you know, you can't, you can't say anything about anything else, but you have to stick to what the curriculum says. But the funny thing is, is that oftentimes the conversations that come up um, are brought to them because they're curious themselves. And you're not trying to, push arms and, and, and turn arms and, and cause them to ask the question. No, no, they, the Holy Spirit just works in their life for a little bit because oftentimes we rely on ourselves too much, amen? And sometimes you just need the Holy Spirit just to work. And when the Holy Spirit works in the individual's life, they turn around and ask, how, do, how does someone that is sinful ever get to heaven? And you didn't have to manipulate the situation. They were just ready to hear it. And so every single time you have an opportunity to give a track out, you ought to be passionate enough to say, hey, I'm going to do it. And if that's stopped at your workplace, then don't do it in your workplace, do it in the car park. Many a times we have opportunities to walk with our friends or walk with our colleagues to their car. Use that opportunity. And many a times I, I, I spent with my dad, you, if you notice, uh, I, I look at my dad funny because what this man's going to do in the Philippines is what he's been doing for the last 20 years here. You understand? It has no change. It's not, oh, because I'm in the Philippines, I'm this, this missionary. No, no. He's been faithfully doing this here. And I observe him every week doing it. And when I was working here with him every day, and I'm not bragging on my dad, I'm just telling the truth. The truth is this, is that when you're passionate about what you're going to believe in, and you're passionate about what the Bible says, then you know what you're going to do? It's going to come out. And you're going to be confident. You're going to be strong on that. And yes, people might get upset. But your passion trumps that. Your zeal trumps that. A passionate Christian is courageous and confident in the face of opposition. Secondly, simply this. A passionate Christian is reliant on Scripture. A passionate Christian is reliant on Scripture. God uses more than 40 different men in a time span of 1,500 years to record each word. The writing of the book took place in three different continents, in, in Asia, in Africa, in Europe, in three different languages, in Hebrew, Aramaic, in Greek. Yet every single time, Every single time the, the entire book completely agrees to each other and validates and is validated through history, through archaeology, and through science. And so what you have is this is this perfect book that God has given to us. And Christian, He's given to you. And I thank God for the opportunity to hold this book, but I'm gonna be I'm not gonna be the first, I'm gonna be the first person to say today. Sometimes I don't appreciate this book, and we've taken it for granted sometimes. But you see, if, if, if someone is being fed proper food, their energy levels are going to be right. If you starve something, the energy levels are going to be really low. They're not going to perform the way it should. It's like a well-oiled machine, right? If the machine is not oiled right, or the machine is left to its own vices and continues on, eventually the gears wore away. Eventually the, 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 the suction cups that used to do this job begins to leak. Why? Because, because it's, not, it's not being taken care of. And church, it is evident when you see someone so passionate about what they believe, they become reliant on this. Because that anything else apart from this, like your mind, like your own thinking sometimes goes wrong, and we make wrong decisions and so church understand that a passionate Christian a zealous Christian needs to be reliant on the scriptures they need to you know the, the reason why, why why people's lives are changed is not because we use uh, we, we use a first letter in every four points that we have the the reason why why. Why people's lives get changed isn't because we have a poem or a joke or illustration inserted in a sermon. No, it's because of this. It's because of the Word of God. And so when we, we endeavor to perceive the evidences of a, of a, a zealous uh, or, 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 or the evidences of a passionate Christian, automatically, automatically, we see that this person, they're reliant. They're reliant on scriptures. A passionate Christian sees the value of the scriptures and they understand that it's profitable. 2 Timothy 3:16. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. The word of God in your life church is profitable and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. See, the Word of God, it, it provides you growth. We have a section in our house that I often just miss out because there's the two cars are parked there and there's this little nature strip just, just on the side of our house. And if you, if you walk past it, it's like a jungle. It's like you're in Vanuatu, right? And, uh, and I, every time I walk past it, I, I, I brush my, my, leg, my, my pant legs against some of the weeds that's growing up there. And these little prickly things, like about this, this big, actually attached to my pants. And then later on that day, I'm, I, I'm like, why is it itching so much? And I look, and there's a whole stack of it right on the side of my pants. So what are you trying to say? I'm saying when, when, when you have the Word of God, it's going it's to touch everything in your life. If you're passionate about the Word of God, you, you're going to speak about what you've learned. If you're, if you're passionate about how you're going to raise your kids up in your life, then you're going to go and you're going to study how, how does the Bible say how I should raise my kids. What does the Bible say about relationships and how do I gear my life for a relationship that pleases God? The passionate Christian delves into the scriptures. Why? Because it's valuable to them. Because the interesting thought is this tonight, church: is that just because you're a good orator doesn't mean you walk with God. I was thinking about it this week. We had um, we had an opportunity me and me and a friend of mine to to apply for um, a role. In the in the local council, to be, um, I guess the youth, the youth voices. I'm not sure what it's called anymore. But um, so we, we got up there and and I think I, I may have explained this before, but we, we were competing against uh, another boy and these two girls from a different school. And we got up and we were there with our suit jackets and had a ch- uh, school emblem on and. We got up and we thanked the dark people for the opportunity to speak on their, on their, on their land. And it was a great time. And we thought we did really well. But the truth is, this other girl came up and do you know what she talked about? She had nothing to do about Australian culture. She talked about fur seals. And for 10 minutes, she talked about how global warming affected fur seals. And I sat in the back over there, and I laughed and chuckled. I said, she didn't even recognize the, the original custodians of this, this beautiful land that we're standing on. And I sat there, and we we're like, man, we got this down. We're going to be, the, we're gonna be the, the voice for the youth for the year, and, man, we're, we're going we're gonna to do really well, because we're so professional. And so the mayor came up, and he looked around and said, so the, the, the youth ambassadors... For this year, I think it was two thousand and eight. Was a girl that talked about puppies or whatever it was, the seals. And my heart just was like, "Uh." So I don't understand. She didn't have the right content. It didn't make sense. And I was there, and we had a great meal together, and all all this thing was was really nice planned out for us. We felt so official. But in the end, what, what got the position was someone that was energetic and passionate about what they were saying. Does that make sense? And church, if you were to listen to someone that's not energetic or not passionate about what they believe in, would you listen to them? Of course not. And the thought is is that you must be reliant on Scripture because just your talent itself is not good enough. How you can manipulate what you're saying in their mind, and you can do this, and make them feel certain ways in order for them to get quote-unquote saved, is a dangerous thing. Telling a child that they're going to heaven because they prayed a prayer is a dangerous thing. It sure is. You say, then how will you do it? Again, you let the Word of God do its course. Whatever happens there is not your responsibility. You're sharing the Word of God. And if that child understands it and believes it in their heart, then they're going to heaven when they die. Amen? But if you're manipulating the situation and causing them to feel things that are not, that are not the Holy Spirit but mere feelings then church is a dangerous place to be in. Amen? Let's continue on. A passionate Christian is courageous and confident in the face of opposition. Secondly, they're reliant on Scripture. But thirdly, they have a focus on reaching the lost and edifying believers. They have a focus on reaching the lost and edifying the believers. The closest thing to God's heart, what do you think it is? Missions. And we, we, we often take ourselves back and say, oh, we're not in a mission field. No, yes, you are. God has placed you here. God has given you opportunity during the week to share the gospel, and it doesn't need to be on a Saturday. And I know a lot of people work on Saturdays, and we understand that. But you have another couple of days in your life, when you can go out and you can share the gospel and you can tell people about Jesus Christ and you don't get locked up for it. Because we're blessed here. But you see the people that are passionate about what they believe in, the people that are passionate about about God and and walking with Him, the byproduct of their life is that they're going to tell other people about Jesus. That they're going to turn around and say, you know what, I met this man. God in the flesh, he dwelt among us. You know, he, he sacrificed his life for us. And yet it might be 2,000 or so, so years ago, but, you know, it's still relevant today. And I could tell you about this man that changed my life and how before I used to be on my way to hell. And because of Jesus Christ, I'm now on my way to heaven. And I want you to have him too. I want you to see how amazing this man is. Let me introduce you. You know, when we have a friend that comes to church, do what we want to do, we, we tell people, hey, talk to my friend, he, he's, he's pretty cool. Many of us have been in that position where we've brought somebody and we want people to meet them. Not just for the sake of them, but the, for the sake of the people to see them and be encouraged. Hey, you know, they brought another friend to church today. You know, in, in HBC, or in Holiday Bible Club, it's been a pleasure watching the kids invite more friends to come. It's been a pleasure. See, on on Monday, there are 51 that came. On Tuesday, there was 52, and you said, oh, only one came. That's not true. There's a group of people that came on Monday that didn't come on Tuesday. Do you know who filled that up? Visitors. And they got to hear the simple truth of the gospel of Jesus. All these signs, all the hard work that people did, they were cutting this and they were painting this late into the night. And many, many no doubt have been in the background doing all these things. Why? Not just to promote Southland Baptist Church. Not to just promote Brother Gear and Mrs. Gear and how great they are with kids. But understand church, the reason why we do things like this is for the sole purpose of telling people about Jesus Christ. Of, of seeing little kids bow their head and, and trust in Jesus Christ alone to save them from their sin. And it's a beautiful sight when you sit there. And I was standing there um, just yesterday, and even today, I, I sort of peeked in a little bit, and you see, you see people from our church winning souls. Why? Because a passionate Christian, the, the byproduct of their life, Is that they wanna they want to share the gospel. But not only that, they want to edify people. Don't tell me that you're don't tell me that you're walking with God and you're ripping everybody down. Don't, Don't tell me that you're 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 being as close as you can with God and you have a passionate walk with God, but all you do is just damage other people in the church. You're here to edify. And yes, I understand, iron sharpeneth iron, right? But it takes two to tango. You understand? Sometimes people don't need what you say. They just want you to be there. And I spent some time this week and uh, last week, and we had an opportunity to, to speak to someone that hasn't been in church for a long time. Did I bring up church? No. Did you bring up God? No, I didn't. I sat there and I listened to him. And he talked to me about his holiday. He talked to me about what he's doing in his life. And I sat there and I said, hey, I'm here for you, bro. And we walked out. He said, yes, waste of time. No, it's not. Because sometimes you don't need to speak. You just need to listen. And instead of damaging people and causing discord amongst people, Let's just build up a little bit, amen? Because that's where the passion is. Because if, if Southland Baptist Church succeeds, you succeed. You have to understand we're a unit, amen? We're a unit. Church, every single time that a soul gets saved because of a person leading them to Christ or, or, or we have opportunities to do evangelisms or whatever it may be, and you bow your head and you pray and you ask God, God, help the helpers, help those that are serving. That means something to God. That means something. Don't think it's wasted time. Let's continue on. They have a focus on reaching the lost and the believers. It says this in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse two It says, But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handing the word of God deceitfully, but the manifestate by manifestation of the truth commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine unto them. In verse four, uh, verse five, Second Corinthians chapter four, verse five, it says this: For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the fla- in the face of Jesus Christ. You know, there was, there was some youth workers this week. It was their first time to ever share the gospel and someone get saved. He said, that's, that's not big. It is a big deal. That doesn't just pass off. I remember the first time I led someone to Christ. It was actually in that back corner over there. Not, not inside the building, outside of the building. And I remember how I felt. God, I didn't do this. Your word did this. And it's knowing that person that, that you saw, that you asked about whether they're going to heaven when they die, and them saying no. And then after, the, after having a discussion, after sharing the Bible, and they turn to you and they say, yes, I'm on my way to heaven church, is a feeling that you never receive it from anything else. And if you've never led someone to Christ, keep trying, keep going, don't give up. Because it doesn't change your life, it changes theirs. And the passion that you have for souls should ought to be continually, can I help this person? And yes, I can give them funds. And yes, I can be a, a blessing to their life and maybe be a blessing to their family or give them my occupation because I'm a, uh, I can do this in their life. Yeah, but how about their soul? You can do much more. So don't limit in that area because a passionate Christian will desire people to get saved. A passionate Christian will desire to edify another. Why? Because it's just a byproduct of what Christ did to you. I believe, and I truly believe this, that God can save children, God can save teenagers, young adults, and even adults in our country. I firmly believe that. And yes, it might not take the first conversation. I think that's something that I struggled with, you know, you, you want to just, first conversation, you want them to get saved, but sometimes it doesn't work like that. Sometimes you have to work with them, and love them, and help them to grow. Help them to see that the Bible is true and show them through Scripture who Jesus Christ is. But you've got to keep going. Why? Because in the next conversation we ha- when you have with that, that person might be the time for them to say, yes, God, I hear you now. I want to receive you as my Savior. So, so adults and, and kids, we need to understand this. A passionate Christian will always, will always want to share and want to edify. It's going to happen. Fourth and lastly. Fourth and lastly. A passionate Christian has a life that bears much fruit. Has a life that bears much fruit. John fifteen eight. You know that verse, right? Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear some fruit. Is that what it says? Much fruit. Does it say a fruit? No, it says much fruit. Does it say a little fruit? No, no, it says much fruit. And church, as we see the evidences of a a Christian life that's wholly desirous to glorify God with it, we always see that this person brings much fruit. And then it goes into this thought, the fruit of the spirit. Galatians five twenty two In Galatians five twenty two is this But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with their affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You know, much fruit takes work. And time and time again, church, We have to understand that it takes effort. It doesn't just fall on your lap. Sometimes you have to, you have to dig and cultivate the ground and keep going. And they might reject you the first time, but you just keep going. And they might say, "Oh, you're silly," and then you just keep going. You keep digging that. You keep going and keep going, and then you have that opportunity when the soil is ready to put the gospel in there. But the problem is, is that we look around and we think it's an easy thing. And yes, we're supposed to cast the seed, right? But we need to understand that sometimes it takes a lot of work to bring uh, bring forth much fruit. And when we see a little bit of fruit, do you know what they do with it? They cut it. They prune it. Why? So that it brings more. That before you used to see one person get saved in a year. And then now you see two or three people get saved in a year. And I'm not saying you have a notch and you keep notching your belt because someone gets saved. No, no, no. It's because you want to grow in Christ. Because you want to spread the good news. And the beautiful thing is that Time and time again, in my life, when someone gets saved, I'm not even in the right spirit. And God rebukes me. He said, EJ, I want to show you something. It's not about you. It's about what you hold in your hand. It's the Word of God. And church, as we, again, break off this this evening and do all the little things. We pray. We sing. The people that were observing Peter in the book of Acts, the first passage that we read, it says this. It says that they they were unlearned men, right? They were unlearned men. They perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, and they marveled and took knowledge of them, that they had been with Jesus. But verse 14, Acts chapter 4 verse 14 says this, And beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. And the thought is this. Is that what God does something in your life, the world can't say this. They can't. they can't accuse you. Why? Because they only know that it's, it's from God. And as they were, were accusing Peter and, and everybody else that was there, which name did you, you, you teach under? He preached Jesus. Told him about Jesus. The byproduct of that was the fruit. And the fruit, the fruit caused the people that were accusing them to zip their mouth. Because like what I said, the the world does judge you for what you say you are. So when you name the name of Christ, my friend, you not only just represent yourself or Southern Baptist Church. You represent Jesus Christ. So what is the evidence of your life? Last week we, talk, we, we talked about this just a little bit. and said if, you're, if I got your friends from work or from school or uni or from wherever it may be and I asked them, say what is the most important thing in E.J. Agatep's life, what would they say? Would there be any glimmer of Jesus Christ or God or his church? Or the Bible, amen? Or would it be just, oh, he's a good guy. He's a fun bloke to be with. He enjoys life. What is the evidence of your life, amen? And so next week, as we continue on with our study, and we'll finish off next week, what we're going to do is we're going to look into a means or the means to rejuvenate your passion. How do you get back to life? How to get zealous again. How to reignite that fire that you used to have for God. And we'll delve into that next week, Wednesday, all right? So let's pray. Ask God to bless. Father, again, I thank you for the opportunity to preach tonight. And Father, I I pray, Lord, that you just help us to help me, Father, to apply this in our life. Thank you again just for the reminder tonight that, Lord, we ought to be passionate about you. We ought to be zealous about you. So I pray that you help us to apply, help us to again grow, so that, Father, we can bring you more glory. Thank you again for this opportunity, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.